All right, you there? I am, sir. All right, good to hear your voice again, man. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There's no off-season. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. Hey, baseball fans, we are basically approaching the home stretch. Uh, it is the 24th day of August that I'm recording this. And on the 31st, that's a week from today. You do realize that. It's a week from today. And that's the day that it's the end of August, and it's when you have to have your 40-man roster set for whoever you want on your playoff roster. That's, you can't add people to your organization after September 1st and expect them to play in the postseason. You could have players who may be in the minor leagues right now or maybe on the disabled list right now, but they've got to be in the organization by the 31st of August. And the Washington Nationals are now having their fire sale, which is bizarre because they should have had their fire sale in the end of July when it was the, before you had to pass players through waivers. I said it here, and I stand by it, that you could get something for Bryce Harper at the trade deadline that would be better than two draft picks. You may even get a major league-ready outfielder. You may get a bunch of things. You may take a three-way trade, but they wet the bed, and they blew it. And now they're doing this weird fire sale now, which is kind of a fire sale, but not a fire sale. I don't know. It's stunning. It's absolutely stunning what's happened to the National. But I can't talk about that because there's so many good things to talk about. Uh, you know, I've been going on some deep dives at BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, and just sort of looking over stats and looking over some things going on here. And just, you know, as, as a Red Sox fan, it's amazing that we're here with a week to go in August. And the Red Sox have already won more games, two more games this year, than the 1988 Morgan Magic AL East champion, and more than the 1990 Tom Brunanski sliding into the corner AL East champion. The Red Sox have already won more games than the 2014 world champion San Francisco Giants. And there's a week left to go in August. You know, in terms of, I mean, wins and losses are sometimes a difficult metric to go by in terms of calling the greatest team of this or the greatest team of that. But that being said, it's, it's the best thing we've got. It's the most consistent metric we got. Now, the Red Sox all-time record for victories in a single season is 105, and that was in 1912, the year that Bartolo Colon broke into the major leagues. And it was the opening year of Fenway Park. They won the World Series. They beat the Giants in, in an amazing, dramatic Game 7. Actually, it was a Game 8 because there was, a, there was a, uh, a game that was called as a tie due to darkness. They didn't pick it up the next day like they did in uh, 2008 with the Phillies and the Rays. That would have been better, don't you think? But anyway, I can't go back and rewrite the 1912 World Series. I just can't. I know there's a lot of pressure for me to do that. I can't pull it off. They won 105 ball games that year. Now, 
in order for this team to win 106 games and have the highest win total in Red Sox history, they have to play one game under 500 the rest of the way. That's right. If they finish the season 16 and 17, they will have the highest win total in the history of the Red Sox for a single season and possibly lay claim for the greatest Red Sox team of all time, provided they do what the 1912 World Series you know, world champion Red Sox did, which was win the kit and the caboodle at the end of the year. No one will care if they win 106 ballgames and don't win the World Series. I, I actually will care because I'm not one of these callous pricks. Is Ray going to be sad if I say pricks? If I'm one of these callous pricks who, like, if they don't win the World Series, the season's a failure. Can you imagine how miserable you'd have to be if that's how you lived your life? As world, there's only one team that can, that that doesn't fail. If my team doesn't win the World Series, it's a failure. Really? It's a failure. You didn't have a nice summer rooting for a team and getting attached and having fun. I understand it could be disappointing, but I've had many teams that I rooted for as a Red Sox fan that don't win the World Series that are don't look as a failure. I just mentioned the '88 and '90. AL East champions, man, I had a ton of fun those years. It's a failure unless you're the best. Oh, oh, stop it, John Adams and Abigail Adams pressuring poor John Quincy. You know that, right? They pressured him like crazy. And even when he became the president, they were like, eh, yeah, I guess you, you know, I guess you underachieved. Anyway, I was, I'm not dropping Abigail Adams references on you, but, you know, the, the, if I think it would be a lot of fun to see this I've never seen the Red Sox win 100 games in a season. I think it'd be fun. Obviously, I want them to win the World Series, but I'm not going to be a callous prick, ashamed of my team if they don't win at all. There are good teams out there. Cleveland's a good team. Oakland. Hell, the Yankees. People are treating the Yankees like, oh, man, what a disappointment they are this year. My God, Aaron Boone, is he over his head? They're going to win 100 games this year, probably. They're on pace to win 101. You know what they haven't done this decade? They're... There are three things the Yankees haven't done this decade. They haven't won a World Series, they haven't been in a World Series, and they haven't won 100 games in a season this decade. Now, do I think this Yankee team is going to win the pennant? No, but they could. And they also could win 100 games. It's a failure. Don't be miserable. Don't choose to be miserable. If things happen that you don't have control over in your life, that happened to you, tragedy, misfortune, you know, financial problems, health problems, marital problems, family problems, societal problems, all things that you don't have control over. And those make you miserable. Okay, I get that. But if there's something you're, I am making a choice to be miserable, stop! If you like misery, it will show up eventually. Don't be a miserable person. Now, if the Red Sox win 100 games, there will be a little pocket of miserable people out there who will say, well, you know. And all miserable people sound exactly like that. Well, you know. Well, you know, the 1912 Red Sox only played 154 games. This one had 162, so they suck. 
Okay. So here's what I want the Red Sox to do. And I'm dead serious about this. Now, I don't want them to do things like risk injuries. Like, I have no problem with the Red Sox putting Chris Sale on a disabled list right now. If that means, do you know what? Let's give your, it's basically a, do you know what? Let's uh, do two things. Let's give your shoulder a rest. Because I'd I'd rather your shoulder be healthy in October than August. And when we play contenders like the Yankees or the Indians, eh, let's not let them take a look at you. Let's not give them a chance to look you over. Do you want, if you're going to have two, you know, 10-day spurts where you're not pitching, you know, have it be against the Yankees and the Indians. And hey, guess what? The Red Sox in those uh, six games, one in those, uh, how many games did they play? It was seven games. They won five of them with no Chris Sale facing the Indians and the Yankees. So they did fine. The Red Sox did fine. I have no problem with that. Okay, I don't want them to do stupid things. But what I want them to do is I want them to win 16 out of their next 25 games. I want them to go on a 16-9 and stretch. Do you know why? Because that will give them 106 wins by game 154. That's what I want. I want that. So therefore, they say, yeah, the most wins in Red Sox team history. And yeah, they passed it at game 154. So you can shut your mouth. You know, I mentioned the Yankees. And, and I think that uh, it's, it's not fair, really, that, that the uh, criticism that Boone and the Yankees have been getting. Because I think they've actually, as I said, they're on pace to win 101 games which would be the most this decade. And there's also, you know, you, you consider you know, they don't have judge. They've had injuries to their pitching staff. They've lost Chapman to injury, and it could happen to a nicer guy. And when you look at the fact that the, the Red Sox swept the Yankees earlier this month, I don't know if you noticed that. They didn't get much press. The earliest month, the Yankees swept the Red Sox. Uh, no, the Yan- Red Sox swept the Yankees, God forbid. And I'm not even going to correct that. And the the Yankees were it was considered the low point of the season. Everything was going wrong. Oh my God! You know, the wheels are coming off. Since then, the Yankees have won eleven of their next sixteen games, including a, several games where they were one swing away from losing. And they and they've won tight games. They've won blowout games. Then you say, hey, you went on a stretch after a brutal series where everything went wrong and you, re- and, and you still don't have your best player in judge and you still have holes in your rotation and along the way you go, you go 11 and 5 over the next bunch of games there. You just sort of say, look it, that's called riding the ship. I mean, they could have gone on a tailspin and they righted the ship. Winning 11 of 16 games. That's damn good. And that's something you should point to Aaron Boone as the manager saying, hey, he didn't let his team spiral out of control. And the reason why nobody will give him credit for that and no one will give the Yankees credit for that is the fact that they gained zero games. The Yankees went 11 out of 16 games in the win column and added nothing. That is a stalemate. 
which is the reason why the Red Sox are going to win the division is because at some point they're going to go on a stretch where they go 500. The Yankees will. And then everybody, they just they can't gain ground. You can't ask for a team to do better than 11 out of 16 realistically. And if they do that and still gain exactly piddly-poo, then bye. It's not going to happen. And you're not going to give them the credit. It's not right. But, you know, not a lot of people are going to feel sympathy for the Yankees. Well, I do want to say something. I'm going to move off the Red Sox and Yankees and Nats right now. I'm going to go to the National League because I'm finding it to be fascinating. Much more fascinating than the run. The the most interesting thing in the American League right now, because I really don't think there's enough time for Seattle to make up all the ground. They're just they will have to just go on a rampage. And I don't see them going on a rampage. The single most interesting thing in the American League is will the A's finish ahead of the Astros? Because I think that will have an absolutely cosmic effect on the entire postseason. The Astros in the division series against Cleveland would be I think a a brutal, you know, a brutal fight to the end, and the A's versus the Yankees in a wild card game. I mean, that's a coin toss. You don't know who's going. That's just who happens to have a better day that day. But the A's in the series against the Indians is a completely unpredictable series, and the Yankees, I'm guessing, do not want to face Justin Verlander or Charlie Morton or Garrett Cole in a one game playoff especially with some of the rotation issues. And I think that just would completely, and then that would lead to a Red Sox, either Yankees or Astros division series. I think it would change the entire complexion of the postseason, whether or not the A's or the Astros are the wildcard team against the Yankees. But the National League is fascinating in ways that I've mentioned before, and in that we're still... There are eight contenders right now, although the Dodgers are doing everything in their power to you know, check themselves out of the postseason. You know, I think that the, you saw that there's a, a chain reaction of events that happen. That the, the Dodgers who brought in Dozier, they brought in Machado, brought in some of the flashiest moves, and I thought, my God, they have an amazing lineup right now. They'll not be able to hit with anyone. I thought that, what, I thought that meant the Dodgers were going to put on the aft thrusters and basically be like, okay, they're going to be the team that's going to capture the NL West. Since the trade deadline, the Dodgers have played 400 baseball. Forget 500. They're trying to stay above 400. And it's it's and their their bullpen issues have been astonishing. That they've blown so many leads in the ninth inning that I truly believe they rushed back Kenley Jansen, who's having heart problems. When he heard he had heart problems, I assumed his career, his career was over. But the fact that it's like okay, he has heart problems. Maybe you don't rush someone back who has heart problems. But they needed to in a way because their bullpen was so atrocious that every close game that they played, the the bullpen was going to cough it up. Even though they were getting wonderful pitching performances and some clutch hits, the bullpen was going to blow it. And so they brought back Kenley Jansen, 
a lot faster than I thought he was going to come back. And I saw the game. He wasn't ready. He looked terrible. And he was letting a big home run after big home run. I'm thinking, don't, I mean, this is a, don't do this to this poor schmuck. I mean, this is a disaster. And the nationally champion, defending nationally champion Dodgers might join the Washington Nationals as the two teams that I thought you could write in ink one of them was going to win the National League pennant. And both of them could be on the outside looking in. But let's just assume for a second that the Dodgers can get back into it. You know, it's not that there's too much talent on the team and the teams they're chasing are too mediocre that they can't really fall out of it, that they, they climb back into it. That'll still make it that there are eight potential pennant winners in the National League. As it stands right now, for the wild card, you have four teams for two slots separated by one game in the loss column. And the Cardinals and the Brewers are still within striking distance of the Cubs. The Rockies are uh, basically uh, one game out of the West for, for them. And the Phillies are... Well, they had a rough stretch recently. They won a big game yesterday. Uh, the Phillies are uh, three games back. And, you know, you can come back from that. Now, I've been saying what I would love to see is an eight-way tie. That all the teams finish with the same record. And then it will just take a, just a massive scheduling nightmare to untangle the spaghetti that is the National League. That is my fantasy and probably is insane. It's insane. It probably won't. Something like that is probably so crazy it could never happen. Okay, let me grant you that. Let me grant you that that, like, oh, all eight teams finishing with the same record because inevitably one team's going to go on a winning streak. Let me tell you what is an outlandish. As I mentioned, there's only one game in the loss column separating those four teams right now. And imagine what would happen if you had a four-way tie for the wild card. You would have to basically play a tournament. You would have to figure out, like, like how do you seed them? Do you seed them by... Uh, this team had the biggest run differential, this team had the best record in division. However, I would do it by run differential, but whatever it is, you have to rank them 1, 2, 3, 4. Let's say 1, 2, 3, 4. I'm just going by the order they are here. Is St. Louis 1, Colorado 2, Milwaukee 3, Philadelphia 4. So the Cardinals would play the Phillies in a one-game playoff. Colorado would play Milwaukee in a one-game playoff. The winner of St. Louis versus Philadelphia would play the winner of Colorado versus Milwaukee for a one-game playoff. Winner goes to the division series. If you added another team to that, you added another team like L.A. to get into that, then you would have to have some sort of a round-robin situation. But that is not outlandish. And even, even adding one element to it, even just saying... All right, it's not a four or five way tie, but there is a tie for the second wild card. Like let's it's as as it stands right now, that's what would happen. I mean, not making any outlandish things. If it's if the playoffs started today and and we get to the end of the season and this is the way it's locked in, 
you would have Milwaukee and Colorado playing a one-game playoff, and the winner of that plays St. Louis for a one-game playoff, and the winner of that would play, who is the top seed? Uh, it's still Chicago, who plays the Cubs, while Atlanta plays the Diamondbacks. That would be amazing. Even that, which is relatively simple to figure out, would be amazing. The four-way tie would be incredible. The five-way tie would be just bizarre. Imagine if there's a four-way tie for the second wild card. Then you'd have to have that tournament of Colorado plays L.A., Milwaukee plays Philadelphia. Then the winner of Milwaukee-Philadelphia plays the winner of Colorado versus L.A., and the winner of that game plays St. Louis. All of them one game, you know, winner-take-all games. You'd watch that. I'd watch that. And we saw a little bit of what that would be like back in 2013. Because that year, the second wild card ended with a tie between Texas and Tampa Bay. And Tampa finished the season in Toronto, and they had to fly to Arlington, Texas, to play a one-game playoff as a tiebreaker. Then they won that game, and then they had to fly to Cleveland to play the wildcard game. And they won that game, and they went to fly to Boston to start the division series. Now, that was really cool. That was really cool that basically the Rays had to win two winner-take-all games to get to the division series. That was, it was fun. I don't know if you remember it. It was fun. It was wacky. Here's the difference, though, between that year and what I'm hoping for here. The Rays were a talented team. They had a lot of good players on that team. Uh, And there was a lot of talent on Texas, and there was a lot of talent with the Cleveland Indians that year. But that year in the American League, you had Oakland, you had Boston, and you had Detroit, who I thought was the strongest team. Those three teams, which they finished with almost identical records, were, in my opinion, just heads and shoulders above Tampa, Cleveland, and Texas. And it was clear that the pennant was going to be won by one of those three teams. It turned out to be the Red Sox, who went on to win the World Series. But it could have easily have been Oakland, and I thought it was going to be Detroit. So the quest that Tampa Bay went on from Toronto to Arlington to Cleveland to Boston and back to Tampa to get to the division series was a nice thing for a team that was an overachieving, always good to see the low, you know, the low budget Rays do something and blah, 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 blah. But nobody really thought they had a shot to win the World Series. It would be a tremendous upset that they would have to beat both Boston and either Oakland or Detroit. And they just didn't have the horses for that. They wound up winning one game in the Jose Lobaton home run, the only blemish on Koji Uehara's Red Sox postseason resume. But here's the difference with this group. There is no front runner. The three division winners as they are right now, Atlanta, Chicago, Arizona. You can't, I mean, they're barely ahead of the wildcard teams at this point. Philadelphia isn't so worse than Atlanta, 
Milwaukee and St. Louis aren't so worse than Chicago, and the Rockies are almost at an even keel with the Diamondbacks. So when I'm rooting for these winner-take-all one-game free-for-all, it isn't so you could have some sort of condescending pat on the head that, oh, aren't you cute? You get to play a playoff game too. Did you like the playoffs? Were they nice to you? No. Each one of these teams, if they advance, have a legitimate shot to go to the World Series. We did see this exact scenario happen in a way in 2007. Before there was an official wildcard game, there was a one-game playoff for the wildcard as Colorado and San Diego finished the 2007 season even. And the thing that was significant about that is that it was similar to this year. There was no team that was heads and shoulders above everyone else. The team with the best record in the National League that year were the Diamondbacks, who were only one game ahead of the Padres and Rockies who were tied for the wild card. The Phillies and the Cubs were the other division winners, and they had practically all the teams that were in there. Philadelphia, Chicago, Arizona, Colorado, and the counting the Padres in that one-game playoff all had virtually identical records. And so when the Rockies did win that one-game playoff that was extra innings where they were three outs away and Trevor Hoffman blew yet another postseason save, sorry, that's a fact, that if he had clinched that, then the Padres would have been in the postseason and the Padres would have had as good a chance as any. And the Rockies, who wound up being in the wild card game, the wild card playoff game, wound up winning the pennant. They went from being three outs away from losing a wild card playoff that nobody would have remembered the Rockies were even in it, to going to the damn World Series. Ray, I cleaned it up for you. And we're in a similar situation right now. That year. As I said, the D-backs had the best record in the National League. They had a negative run differential. The Cubs weren't ready yet. The Phillies were green and stunned that they upset the Mets. I fervently believe if the Mets won the division, they would have, won the, they would have gone to the World Series. We're in a similar place where you could have these one-game playoffs, one after another, and each time the team is playing for it, said, geez, we got to win this game because we have a shot to go to the World Series. We have a chance to have something that we haven't seen in really 11 years since the end of this, you know, since the Mitchell report. A new era of slightly thinner players. And the National League, that's a total free for all. Right now, if the playoffs started today, the Phillies would be not a playoff team. They would be in the outside looking in. And a couple of weeks ago, I was on the podcast, Baseball PhD, where I said, yeah, I think the Phillies are winning the division. Look me in the eye and tell me there's a favorite. I mean, if I had to pick one team right now, I suppose it would be Arizona, but ask me again in two days. I don't know. Atlanta's looked great recently. But they could fall. And so that's what I want. And it's not even being too outlandish. It's not asking for something ridiculous. It's having an entry 
to the postseason be a little bit of a free-for-all. And with each one of those teams thinking, you know, every team in the postseason thinks, oh, man, we have a shot to win the World Series. And every once in a while, you do get a total fluke team. Like, the, you know, in 2014 when two wildcard teams made the World Series or when the Cardinals won in 06 or when the Marlins won. I mean, there are times you're like, wow, really? I wasn't expecting that. But this is a year where every team, when they're in it, is thinking, we've got a legit shot. And it wouldn't even be much of an upset. Seriously, of all these teams, which one would be the one to say, oh, man, that would be just a stunner. Braves, Cubs, uh, Diamondbacks, Cardinals, Rockies, Brewers, Philadelphia, Los Angeles. Which one of those teams playing in the World Series would make you go, whoa, that, that, that's not what I expected half happen. I'm just saying. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, everywhere. You can be old school, send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. Music is, always, is by, that was weird coming out of my mouth, by uh, Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Begging you to not be miserable by choice, but root for anarchy, because anarchy is fun. This has been Sully Baseball for the 24th day of August. Special day for my parents. 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, I'm begging you, call me Sully.